So I want to share with you two scriptures today. The first, actually, there'll probably be a few more than two. But I want to share with you two scriptures. The first being found in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 12. I want you to know who I am, one. I'm a gift to you today. I'm a gift. The Bible says that elders, teachers, and pastors are gifts to the body of Christ. I'm a gift to you today. And the word that I'm bringing to you today is to do several things, but one of them is to grow you up. Some of us are babies still. Some of us have been babies for too long. And in fact, a baby ain't good for nothing. (laughs) Except they're just cute. They're good to look at, but they're not functional. They are not functional. They're necessary, but we want them to grow up. And some of you today, I hope through this word, that you will grow up. I think of my, I have six grandkids too. Y'all don't know this. That's right, I got six grandkids. But it's interesting, those that are about the same age, when one of them starts to cry, you know what the other one does? I guess they feel sorry for them or something. They start crying too. (laughs) That's what babies do. And unfortunately, in the body of Christ, we're the same way. When one member starts to complain and cry, another one joins in. So the question is, who's going to be the adult today? Somebody got to grow up. Somebody has to grow up. So again, the word today for you is grow up. That's not the message, though. That's not the message. We're going to get to the message. Let's turn to Second Samuel, the 12th chapter. And I'm going to read from verse 1. It says, so the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and the other was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it, and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole, and for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, 
you're the man. So living hope today, I'm here to say, you're the man I'm talking about. I'm not talking this message isn't for anybody else. Another church is for us. You're the man. And we used to think that when they, they had that saying, you know, you're the man. You're the man. And it's like, yeah, I'm the man. Let's take that same attitude today. I'm the man. I'm the one he's talking about. I'm the one he's addressing with this message. You see, you think of David. Everybody loves a good story. Everyone loves gossip. Everyone wants to hear something spicy or dicey or interesting or provocative. Everyone. But what about when the story is about you? What about when it's a true story about you? What about when it's your business that's in the street? What about when it's you're the one who's found in unforgiveness? Are you still just as interested? See, David was being confronted about his sin with Bathsheba. And David did a horrible thing. I mean, when you really think about it, David was on the top of his rooftop at a time when he should have been at war. It says it was the springtime, and during the spring, the kings go out and they have war with other kings. But David was on the top of his rooftop, just casually scrolling the grounds, and happened to look upon Bathsheba taking a bath. I say David was looking for something. He wasn't looking for God to give him a message about how to address the war. That's not what he was looking for. And just like us, sometimes we're in the wrong place at the wrong time, thinking the wrong things, which certainly will lead to the wrong things. The scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And this is why it says to govern your heart, to guide it, for out of it flows the issues of life. Unfortunately, we put too much in front of us that's negative. And like with David, he found himself in an, in an adulterous relationship with one of his soldiers' wives. And not only did he have this relationship with her, he had the man killed to cover up his own sins. And if that wasn't enough, he waited until after he was buried, buried, and then he married her and took her in with his other hundred wives. And that's why he was being confronted today. So David was confronted by Nathan. But when you look at this, look at this story, Nathan didn't just come to David and say, David, this is what you did. He still addressed him in a manner of respect. Because he's the king. I think this is something we've lost in the church today. Growing up, it used to be if the pastor came to the house, he got the first meal. He got the, he got the first chicken dinner. <laughs> and you got whatever was left. But we've moved from a place of honoring the man of God nowadays. And God hasn't changed. He said, how lovely are the feet of them that bring good news. 
We need to get back to a place of honoring the man of God. We need to get back to a place of honoring fathers and mothers. Because when you do, that sends a message to them. Hey, this is the attitude and the behaviors that's expected. It used to be certain things you would never catch a parent doing. There were certain behaviors that my mother never would have done. There was a certain expectation of a mom, of a dad. Now, I don't know what a, what a, what a big mamas are anymore. I don't know that. Y'all don't have no big mamas in y'all family. We have big mamas. Where the big mamas at now? All the big mamas are cute. All the big mamas wearing short skirts now. All the big mamas trying to be like kids. The expectation has changed. The standard has changed. But God's standard has never changed. And that's why Nathan approached David in that manner. And said, David, you're the man. You're the man who's committed this sin. But this is what I want to say to you, Living Hope. Develop a heart like David. When David was confronted with his wrong, he didn't make excuses. He didn't talk about, well, you know, I came from a tough life. I had 11 older brothers and they beat me up. And then when, you know, when I became, you know, Saul's ambassador, he tried to kill me. I was running for my life. I had all these issues going on. And unfortunately, in the body of Christ, that's what we're, we're full of issues while we can't serve. We're full of issues while we can't join a particular church. We're full of issues while we can't forgive. And I don't read any of those things in the Bible. Jesus said, who the son sets free, you're free indeed. You're certainly free. So are you free? Or are you just full of excuses? I think of my little grandson. He's 18 months old. And I, to me, he ain't no baby if you're 18 months old. You understand when I'm talking to you. You understand. <laughs> you're 18 months. I ain't no little baby. Some of us are like that little 18-month-old fella. When we're at home and he wants something to drink, and if one person tells him no, he don't give up. You know what he'll do? He'll go to the next person. And he might even do it on the sly. He might even just kind of sneak over when you ain't looking. Can I have this? Some of us are the same way. We keep going from church to church to church, from group to group to group, from pastor to pastor, until we get what we want. You don't read that in the scriptures. The people came with a heart to serve. You want greatness, Jesus said? The greatest of all is the servant of all. When was the last time you served someone? When was the last time you served your enemies? See, it's easy to serve someone that, that's your friend. It's easy. But what about somebody that just don't like you? What about someone who's talked about you behind your back? To your friends. Can you serve them? I'm, I'm, I haven't even got to the message yet. I'm getting there. 
I'm getting there. Let me read this scripture to you. This is actually found in Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 16th verse. Matthew 11 and 16. This is the words of Jesus. He says, to what can I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. We played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking and you say he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drink, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. By wisdom, but wisdom is shown to be right by its results. This is what Jesus is saying. We have given you music. You didn't like the music. I don't like our, I don't like our uh, brother Charles Lee praise and worship. I'm gonna come after he's done. I don't like our, I like female female um, praise leaders. They seem to get into it more, right? So we'll just we'll only worship on the days when Chinway's here. We won't worship when Pastor Charles is here, or we'll worship when Pastor Benjamin gets here. That's 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 the time to worship. Because he, Pastor Benjamin, you know, he, he used to be a worship leader, so he really knows how to worship. He knows how to get into it. So other than that, I'll just sit on my hands. He says, to what can I compare this generation? That's what you're like. You only do the things that please you. If that's you, you're a baby. Let me give you some characteristics of a baby. Got it in there somewhere. Let me give you some characteristics of a baby. If you only open your Bible when you come to church, you're a baby. Whoops. <laughs> you're a baby. If your only spiritual food that you get when you're here is here, you're a baby. Think about that for a minute. If you have a preference over worship leaders, you're a baby. It's not about anybody that's in this pulpit. It's not about in, worship is not about anyone leading you. They're not leading you. We're joining in worship together. But we're looking for someone to tickle us. We're looking for someone to play a certain song a certain melody. You know, we like a lot of bass. Some of us like a lot of bass. When I hear the bass, that just makes me, oh, nice. 
Oh, that electric guitar. That elect- it just makes me want to worship. You're a baby. See, a baby is not capable of feeding themselves. They got to look to someone else. If you look to someone to speak to feed you spiritual food, you're a baby. And if you've been saved for two weeks, you have cause not to be a baby. Because being mature is nothing more than a choice. You just decide, I'm not going to be a baby. I'm going to grow up. Check this out. Y'all say amen or something. Don't be quiet. Don't be quiet. Say something. I like babies. Again, I do. But they're not good for anything. They're cute. They're cute. But a baby did not set up this church today. A baby didn't establish this church. A baby didn't call this church. A baby's not going to fix any of you dinner after you leave here. It's going to be mature adults that's going to do that. If you want to accomplish something, if and I'm going to say it like this, if we really want to accomplish something, living hope for God, we're going to have to grow up. We're going to have to align ourselves to the vision that God is giving the house and carry it. I came to this church. I don't know why I came to this church. <laughs> I was at another big church. I was at a big church. And they had some plans for me. Not that I'm that kind of person that's looking for people to have plans for me. But they had plans for me, and they were talking to me about plans. And I came to this church, and the Lord spoke to my wife and I and said, this is where we need to be. And we were at a mega church. And he brought us here to serve. We've come in the door serving. We've come in the door giving. But the thing that I'm understanding and I see more and more is that I can't outgive God. Amen. He just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. I might even shed a tear. Give me one of those tissues. Come on. My daughter just got accepted to Harvard University. Nice. <laughs> And I was like, God, I got kicked out of school. <laughs> I, they, they told me, Mr. Turner, your services are no longer needed. You're out of here. Now, here my child is going to Harvard University. God told me 20-something years ago he was going to bless my kids. And I'm seeing the blessings of God on my children. And I tell them it's because of me. It's because I've entuned my heart to serving God, to worshiping God, and to honoring whomever I'm under. I'm under Pastor Benjamin. I ain't over him. And we talk about a whole lot of different things, and I give him some good information, and he he gives me some good direction. But I'm under him. I'm here to serve him. How many of you have that same attitude that you're here to serve him? That you're here to serve this ministry? It's not about you. Moses understood this. 
this is the reason why God picked him. But he had to go through 40 years in the desert too. The children of Israel, they had to go 40 years in the desert. And only two of them made it to the promised land. All the rest died. They never fulfilled their destiny. All because they had a, the scripture says, a wicked heart of unbelief. That they didn't believe that God was going to do the thing that he said. God is going to do it. Will you let him? Will you yield yourself to his spirit? Will you give of yourself? Will you put down the petty attitudes and behaviors and mindsets? And we all know what they are. You ever seen someone with an attitude? <laughs> it's funny, too. When you think about attitudes, people have a bad attitude, and they think nobody see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm like, come on. Grow up. Yeah. Everybody see you got a bad attitude. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm fine. You a baby. You're a baby. Give me an amen or something. Let me know I'm talking to somebody. I I wrote out a whole bunch of stuff as I was praying, but I'm just going to talk to y'all now. (laughs) I'm just going to talk. The time is now for us as a body to move. It's just time. But we cannot move from this physical place until we move to a new spiritual place. We can't. We can't. If you look around, the walls are crumbling, y'all. The walls, y'all see it? The walls are crumbling. And what are you doing? Are you standing next to the wall waiting for it to fall on you? Or are you trying to move the vision of the church forward? We need to expand. We can't expand in this little place. We're bigger than this. But we can't expand until we get it right in here. Until we get our hearts right. Until we come with a heart to serve... And in a spirit of unity, it ain't going to happen. You'll see individuals like Pastor Joseph moving forward. Mm-hmm. Pastor Joseph came to me with a plan, said, Brother Kent, this is what I want to do. I believe God has said I need to get another job, blah, blah, blah. I said, Pastor Joseph, that's a good idea. I gave him a few recommendations. And now he's five debts, debt free. <laughs> but he had a plan. Let, let, me read, let me read this scripture to you. I know this is a whole bunch of stuff. How much time do I have, Pastor Joseph? I just want y'all to think for a minute. I want you to think about it. Okay, bear with me one second. It's found in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. It says in this in the 24th verse. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs. You in a race. Everyone run in the race. But only one person gets the prize. 
So run it to win. Don't you know that each and every one of you are in a race? This is a Christian race. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. This is not here today and gone tomorrow. This is not, I'm consistent at church in May. Wait, when does football season come around? August? Okay, so June through July, I'll just say. I'm consistent. But when August come around and it's preseason football, you won't see me. It's a race. It's a consistent race. None of you would want anyone on your team, if you had a team or a business, that was inconsistent. If you have an inconsistent employee, you would fire them. Thank God for the grace of God that he hasn't fired any of us. We take church like a hobby. That's what church is. That's what serving God is, is a hobby. And a hobby is something you only do when you feel like it. God help us. So he says, all athletes, all athletes are disciplined in their training. All of them. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. He said, discipline yourself because you're in a race for an eternal prize. He said, live your life as though someday and you will give an account for how you lived on this earth. It's like my son. I love my son. And he's coming around, y'all. He's 14 years old. When we, my wife and I, go out of town or go out to dinner, it's like his brain just leaves his head. He just does does crazy things. Like we're never going to come back. Like he's never going to have to deal with me again. He just, I, I, could, I won't tell you what he does. But that's how we are sometimes. We do some crazy stuff in the church and act like I'm never going to give an account. Jesus told us, you're going to give an account. He said, it's like the man. He said, be like the man whose master set him up in a house to be a steward over his house. And the master went away on a trip. And the master prolonged his returning. So the servant got a little careless. Started having parties. Started eating up all the food. Started leaving a mess out where it used to be clean. But then one day the master came back. And found that servant unawares. He says, don't you be like that master. I mean, like that servant. He said, be the one that when the master returns, he finds you doing everything that he told you to do. Because you don't know the day nor the hour when the master is going to return. Glory. (laughs) So let me finish this verse. He says, All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with every purpose in every step. 
Everything the Apostle Paul said that he did, he did it with purpose. Sometimes we're just a little bit too haphazard. We need to do it with purpose. You plan the drums, brother, plan with purpose. You know you need to be here early, be here early. You know your husband is expecting you to cook dinner when you get home. And you've been home all day. Don't let him come home and it's not made. Do it with purpose. That says something to the man. That says he's valuable. (laughs) Don't get in trouble, brother. (laughs) But that's real. When you go back and you read the scriptures, they were dealing with real stuff in the scriptures. He said, listen, there's a man in this church who's sleeping with his father's father's wife. Stop that foolishness right now. He said, you two over there? He said, wait a minute. How much did you sell that piece of land for? Oh, 20 bucks? No, you didn't. You sold it for 40. You're going to die. Dead. Take her out. The husband came in. How much did y'all sell that land for? 20 bucks? No, you didn't. 40. Same feet. Take him out too. That's the Bible. They were dealing with real stuff back then. But we're afraid to deal with it in the church today. But then we wonder why we don't see God moving like he used to. It's because of us. We got to deal with real stuff at home. We think worship starts here. It doesn't. It starts at home. It starts with how you deal in your relationships. It starts with how you forgive. It don't start here. You can put on a fancy suit and look cute and all that other stuff. But guess what? God don't see none of that. He's looking right here. Amen. He said, outward, you're all pretty. But inside, you're like dead man's bones. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. This is what we got to do, y'all. We got to discipline our bodies. You got to tell your body, no, you're not going to eat two sandwiches. You got to tell your body, no, you're going to forgive your husband. You're going to forgive. You got no. The relationship is more important than, talk about Charles, going to the gym six days a week. (laughs) The relationship is more important. That's, and Charles, where is he here? He's here. (laughs) The relationship is more important than getting buffed, and I believe you should be buffed. I believe that. But we got to make sure that we're putting our attentions and our focus on the right thing. Jesus was not about food. He was about the people. We have to be about people. In fact, when Jesus was a young fella and they went to Jerusalem doing, I believe it was the Passover, time of Passover. And it was time for them to leave and they all left. Three days out, they discovered Jesus wasn't with them. And they were like, where is Jesus? 
they, we must have left him. Now, me, my mother would have ate me alive. <laughs> they went all the way back, three days' journey, and found him in the church preaching and teaching to the people. And he said, Mama, Daddy, I must be about my father's business. That was his response. But if you read the next part of that, it says that he still remained subject to his parents. Read that scripture. Who are you subject to? Whose authority are you under? Because we've moved into a time now where, you know, we all hear from God. And so, well, Pastor Benjamin, he's just the pastor of the church. I'm not really under him. I kind of go to the same church he does. It's not true. We are to be under him, submissive to him, submissive to leadership. Because I look around and many of you are leaders. Many of you will be pastors. Many of you will have your own businesses. What would you do if the people that were supposed to be up under you behaved in a manner that said they're not? All good pastors, all pastors want people to, to be submissive to them and follow the vision. All fathers, all mothers, they want their kids to follow the vision. What vision are you following? Are you disciplined disciplining your body? And I'll finish with this, I'll finish this verse. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You can do all, you can say all of the right things to all of the right people. You can talk about Jesus to you blue in the face. You can fast. You can do all of those kinds of things. But yet, if you don't discipline your own body to serve, if you don't do one little thing like forgive, you'll miss it. Because he said, if you don't forgive men, their trespasses, I won't forgive you either. I'm almost done. You know, we are, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to share one more thing with you. Do you have that queued up? Get it up, get that ready for me. Up until recently, I had never seen the movie Schindler's List. Had never seen it. And one evening, my 12-year-old daughter and I were watching the movie. And certain things I don't watch because it makes me cry. <laughs> you know, certain documentaries like, well, was a home built, what's, what's the name of that movie where they build the house for the people? Extreme Home Makeovers. I can't watch that stuff. I'm like, I'm going in the room. Y'all watch that. I just, I'm just, because I understand what the people are going through. Schindler's List was one of those movies for me. I didn't know it or I might not have watched it. But there's a part at the end where Oscar Schindler, who was not Jewish, who gave his life to saving others' lives. I'm going to show the clip. 
and then you can judge for yourselves. One more person. Live and hope you could do more. You could do more. You can give more. You can serve more. One more. That was his cry. That, that has to be our heart's cry as it relates to souls. God, I know I could do more. God, I know I can minister to one more person. I know I can help one more person. All the stuff we have. I know I don't need all of that. I could have done more. I could have been more supportive of Pastor Benjamin. I could forgive more. 
I could pray a little more. I could love a little more. Live in hope. We got to do better. We got to do better. What's your more? What's your more? All of us should have one more. What's your one thing that you need to do? What's that one area of your life where you need to yield to the Holy Spirit? We all have them. You're the man. Maybe it's alcohol. God has told you to stop drinking like he told me. So I stopped. And he's kept me. Maybe it's to forgive. Maybe it's to come home and just clean your, clean your house. See, oftentimes we want God to move in the big things. He won't. Not unless you first allow him to move in the smaller things. God is simple. He doesn't want any of us to wonder. God says, I have plans for each and every one of you. What's your one thing? You can do more. You can do more to live the things that are being taught across this pulpit. You can do more in your small community, your lay pastor communities. You can support them. In your marriage, you can let your words be few and seasoned with grace. You can do more by paying off your bills and getting free and no longer being a slave to someone else. You can eat out less and give your tithes and your offering. There's so much more that each and every one of us can do. Jesus said this, my meat and my bread is to do the will of the Father. The thing that satisfies me most is to do God's will. What's your meat and bread? What is the thing that satisfies you most? If it's sports, you've missed it. If it's food, you've missed it. Your meat and bread has to be, must be, to serve God. Can we stand? If you're able. Father God, we thank you for this time of visitation. We thank you because you're God Almighty. And Father, there's none like you. 
We thank you because you are mindful of us, your people, the sheep of your hand. We thank you because you continually provide for us. We thank you, God, because you're Lord over all. Now, Father God, we ask that you would search our hearts, that you search our soul, search our very being. Illuminate in us, God, those areas of our lives where we've missed the mark, where we've fallen short. God, that we may change, that we may put down those things that prevent us from being all you would have us to be. God, this is your day that we now yield to. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this time and for new beginnings in this place. We thank you and we praise you, God, for new beginnings in this place. Start with us, God. Start with us that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. You are now dismissed.